I think one of the biggest tools that I have had during this time is just allowing myself to keep searching, even though some of the answers are hard. Hello, welcome back to Let It Out. I'm your host, Katie Dalebout. This week, I brought back on to the podcast for the third time, my friend, writer, podcast host of the One Part Podcast and women's health advocate, speaker, Jessica Mernan. She is one of my favorite people to talk to, and we really just got to catch up on this episode and we talked about some key friendship moments that are pretty revealing about our relationship and it was really lovely chatting with her. We talk about hard moments that she's been through and navigated while feeling things so intensely. She's one of the most empathetic people that I know and so we talk about mental health and her empathy and how she has handled that historically and now and we also get into this deep dialogue about social media and our ever-changing so complex relationship to it and how it relates to work and memories and relating to each other we talk about her creative process and her writing process within a pandemic within the midst of homeschooling their son because Jess actually wrote her second book that is about to come out now recently. So the book comes out April 27th. It's called Know Your Endo. And I would love it if you would pre-order it because Jess is my friend for sure. But also because this book is really a must read for anyone who has been through endometriosis and for people who love them. So if you don't know what endometriosis is, It's not just about having painful periods, it's complex, it's debilitating, it's all-encompassing. It's a condition that impacts one's mental health, their relationships, their career, and it actually affects over 176 million people across the globe. But even after receiving a diagnosis, many are still left in the dark about the condition. And so Jess has really written this empowering guide to help people feel less alone with endo. And my mom had endo, a lot of people that I know have had it, and I'm just really happy that this project exists. So pre-order it now to support Jess, but also because this book is really wonderful. I got my hands on an early copy and, you know, really have, have learned a lot. So we talk about it a little bit in this episode. If you wanna go back, I mentioned this in a few minutes, but if you want to go back to my older episodes with Jess, you'll hear more about her and her background and upbringing, and then also about Endo when her last book, The the Cookbook, came out. So enjoy this conversation with Jessica Mernan. We also do her happy thank you more, please. That's why she's here again. So she tells us something she's happy about, something she's grateful for, something she wants more of. This series is something that I started in the midst of the pandemic, and it hopefully will bring a little joy and light to you. I hope you are feeling good. I'm so grateful that you're listening and stick around all the way to the end. I'll check in with you there. We have a funny like emoji secret code for this episode this week that's a little bit different than usual. But if you're new here at the end, after the announcements and the housekeeping, I give a secret emoji every week that you can comment on my Instagram, on the guest's Instagram, on Let It Out's Instagram. It's just Let It Out with three T's. 
to let us know you're listening all the way to the end. And this week, there's something special that you'll hear in this episode. So happy you're here. If you still want to sign up for Creative Underdogs, which we talk about slightly in this episode, feel free to by the end of this week, and then we'll be closing it for new members for now. Every week on the show, I want to support an organization that I want to share with you. So this week, it's one called Exalt, and they provide New York City youth with a roadmap to change their lives. Their programs include a powerful combination of structured classes for tangible skill development, individualized support to navigate the education and justice systems, placement and paid internships, and they're doing really important work to help young people who have been a product of the criminal justice system to avoid further criminal justice involvement. So Exalt aims to re-engage young people in their love for learning and helping them get out of the school to prison pipeline. So you can learn more about Exalt and how you can support their mission at the link that is in the show notes. Okay, Jessica Mernan is back on the podcast. I just said, I was like, I think this is your seventh time. She's like, it's my third. But And I said, well, I hope you're on seven more times because I, you're one of my favorite people to talk to. Thank you for doing this. Oh my gosh, thank you. And thank you. You Before we started recording, you said, let me just go grab my water really quick. You don't understand how many podcasts are on where someone's like, let me grab my water. And then like right into the microphone. Misophonia. I was like, I didn't want to hear you gulp it. Gross. So I was like, I was mentally prepared for the big gulp. And I'm like, okay, she didn't do the gulp into the microphone. No, no, you know me. I listened to your misophonia episode. <laughs> so thank you for having me. And thank you for not gulping your water into the microphone. Oh, of course. Of course. I know you. Well, if anyone has a sensitivity to sound, or I think it, it directly translates as a hatred of sounds, certain sounds. Yeah. Uh, and it's and it can be sound, but it also can be types of movements too. So like me watching someone like swipe on their phone, like the way that their fingers move, like it can really go to sound and just movements too. Oh, wow. That's interesting. My... Yeah. I wonder if that, well, anyway, I never finished the thought for people listening. It's called misophonia. And just years ago, there had a episode about it mm-hmm. and it was fascinating. And I think there's a documentary about it, right? Yep. Yeah. It's, it's something I get more emails about really? <laughs> just because people are like, oh my gosh, my family has made fun of me for years. Yeah. I can't eat at the table with my friend. And it's not an OCD thing. They think it's a neurological condition. So it's not like exposure therapy where, you know, you sit and watch someone eat soup for a day. You're going to get over it. It always bothers you. Fascinating. That's fascinating. Yeah. Well, my, uh, my friend, Michael, I've been doing ceramics here and we were talking about that and he was like, oh yeah, man, I'm not going to go with you. I like can't go. And I was like, oh, cool why and he was like yeah i the bisquare really like freaks me out the like you know what that is like the feeling of the before they fire it do you know what i'm talking about i do and i also know this it's making me want to throw up the sound of <laughs> ceramic scraping against ceramic ooh, 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 baby like when someone like if something's wrong with our toilet 
I cannot even put the lid on. Because oh, the- I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I bet Michael has that too. Yeah, his mom, he's from Michigan as well. I mean, he lives here, but he he's from Michigan and he'll probably do the podcast. He's really cool actually. But anyway, he we will not talk about Bisquare. His mom owned one of those paint your own pottery places that were really uh-huh. popular. And so I think that did it for him maybe. Who yeah, knows? I bet. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I know. <sighs> so how how are you, Jess? When was the last... I guess the last time I saw you was New York, I would say 20... Oh, this is going to be interesting to talk about, actually. It was New York 2019. You were in mm-hmm. town for a work thing. Mm-hmm. I was obviously living there in town, living there. We had dinner with our dear friend, Katie Horwich, and mm-hmm. you saw into me so clearly. I was really <laughs> going through it. And people who listen to this podcast know that whole <laughs> period of time. But I was just in a real like post-breakup haze and feeling my feelings. And you were so kind to me. I remember like first, I wrote some like KG email about it, like right very close after about like this breakup and you instant you you read my email and you instantly like called me or texted me and you were like what the fuck was that like what happened tell me everything (laughs) and I remember where I was walking around New York City like crying on the phone and just like telling you the whole story and then a couple months later you came to New York we were at that dinner and you saw into me so clearly and you were like I wasn't ready to hear it at the time you're like dude I don't know if New York like works for you like would you (laughs) consider moving or like I just feel like you're in a bad place (laughs) I know I tried to say in the nicest way possible but I don't think New York is for everyone yeah yeah I was really going through it and you were it was a really nice friend moment because you said it in a really gentle way but turns out you're right (laughs) (laughs) well I'm glad you've moved on yeah yeah in many ways yeah yeah exactly so that was the last time I saw you, but you, like we mentioned, you've done the podcast a couple of times. So I encourage people to go back if they are new to you and listen to those episodes. I'll link to them. The first or one. Don't. I get nervous about like, what did we even talk about? Who knows? Who knows? I think <laughs> in the first one, we talked about like you and your background and your story and we're oh. both hmm. Midwestern, which we related to. And then... I know we talked about endometriosis, which is the the topic of your new book, which is really, really cool. And oh yeah, and we the the last time I was on, we for sure talked about my last book, which was a cookbook. Yeah. Yeah. And the process and yeah. and your yeah and your show, which I send people to all the time. You made this project called the cookbook deal and also the most the weirdest year of my life. Was that what it was called? Yeah, it was. I think weird was a nice way of saying horrific. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think 2020 (laughs) was more strange than that year? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, if people didn't listen to that episode or didn't listen to that podcast, I mean, that year, my stepmom was run over by a bus, like full body run over by a bus. She survived was not supposed to survive. And then she got a flesh eating bacteria was not also supposed to survive. It was like, come to say goodbye. And she survived again. So the pandemic is equally as weird, but I mean, that was just mourning someone's death twice almost was just, um, I will never, nothing compares to that. Yeah. 
Oh, that's so heavy. I okay. This is something I I wrote down that I wanted to mm-hmm. talk to you about, and okay. it kind of just came up. I guess you are someone who is so present and connected to your emotions. I mean, you obvious it, it's obvious. Like you feel things really deeply, and you're so empathetic. And I've cried with you, and I and I've seen you cry, and I just like we brought up something heavy and and I know that that how that affects you but I I also really admire this about you like I admire how connected it shows me that you're in your body in this way that I really admire because I tend to pocket things down and and push things away and I'm wondering I'm curious have you always been this way this in tuned with your emotions yeah but I I think that I am in tune but I also think that I sort of don't talk about things until I've processed them more, if that makes sense. Mm. So it's like, I am very good at repressing things. And like when all that stuff happened with my stepmom, Deb, I mean, there wasn't a moment to stop and say, okay, this is how I feel about this. And this is how I'm going to express this. It was just like, get to Ohio see what's happening, say goodbye. And then, and so it's, it's weird. I, I think that, thank you for saying that. I think that I am a lot of times present with how I feel. And I'm also sometimes <sighs> very black and white about how I feel. I either like it or I hate it. And sometimes I do think I should maybe see the middle ground a little bit more, but yeah, I mean, I think I just have always felt deeply <laughs> about things. And I think that it can be to a fault sometimes. I mean, especially during the pandemic and everything that happened this summer with the social justice movements. I mean, I was completely debilitated some days. And I mean, obviously I'm a mom, so I, I couldn't show my son that and I had to push through, but yeah, I feel deeply. And sometimes I wish I didn't feel so deeply, but then the alternative is, I guess, not being me. Right. So I don't know. Yeah. Not being you. And then also as someone who I think my tendency is towards the opposite. Like there was one day this summer where I was rushing and doing something where I had to be like almost on a I was on a call with someone about like finding an apartment and I was trying to be, it was like an interview that I was going to live with people that didn't end up happening, but not because of this. Like I was learning or they were learning about me and we were like having a conversation. And during that time I did the amount of things that I did would have shocked someone. Like I was Mm -hmm. able to be so present with them. I, so I thought, I mean, how much can you do multitasking, but the amount that I, did during that. And I think I like got a text and I remember just getting into my car after that and being like, almost like that was why, how was I able to be present on that conversation and do like, it almost scared me how Mm -hmm. able to talk and like pretend everything. Okay. And I think if something really heavy was happening, I, I don't even remember all the details, but I just remember that moment of getting in my car and being like, almost like scared. Like how could I not be crying and upset right now? And yet I showed up and did that. And that felt almost scary to me in a way. Yeah. And it's interesting as you're saying this and not just to bring it back to endo, but I think that when you live with a chronic condition, 
I think you train yourself to be really good at being present and pushing through because most days you don't have a choice. So I think, you know, especially, you know, right now I'm doing a book tour and it's about to start. And, you know, I don't have the choice to not fully be present for that, even if I am having a super bad period or even if I am really depressed that day. And I think that when you have endo or chronic illness, you get really, really good at that. You get good at doing what you just said. It's like being so present, like, how did I do that? It just becomes second nature, I think, because you don't want to lose your job. You don't want to lose relationships. You don't want to miss out on life. So you kind of just go into this autopilot of getting by. Oh, that's so interesting, Jess, because I was going to say, I think that I got this from my mom. Like I saw her just like, I would know everything was a mess and she was so upset. But then we would like run into someone at the store and she'd be like, hi, how are you? And and I I felt like that's (laughs) something that I like picked up. Like that's essentially like Mm -hmm. a version of what I was saying. And the funniest part is that, and we, I remember us talking about this in the last conversation about endo is that my mom had endo and had a hysterectomy and it was this this mm-hmm. whole thing and i remember saying like i wish i you know she had your now book for sure and and the cookbook but who knows maybe that's like maybe i picked that up from my mom's endo and chronic illness yeah. and, and and also my mom has back pain you know and so it's like all the i think these things that that ability to to push through is can be survival, but is also there's a loss there too. Absolutely. And it's interesting because someone we kept on kept on saying it's interesting. I need to come up with a new phrase, but I say it someone I know I say it all the time. Someone on social media, I said something about pushing through and someone came at me and they're like, well that's a luxury. Some people can't push through and get out of bed. It's like, well, I completely understand that. And maybe it was a bad choice of words, but I think that there are some days where I don't have a choice to push through or not. Like when when my husband is traveling and I mean he hasn't for a while, obviously, but and I'm home alone with my son, if I don't get out of bed, he's not eating. He's not yeah. going to school. Like there's not a choice. So, yeah, I mean, I think your mom was probably very resilient and you probably witnessed that. Yeah, this is such an... Oh, see, there it goes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm enjoying talking about this because I I was always the kid with perfect attendance and, you know, I would get like dropped off first and be in aftercare and, you know, and I would just, I was always around these adults and I, I think that sort of, pocketing things down that I witnessed, like you said, and you having to wake up and 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 get Sid. I think I recently had several of my friends really going through it. Like my really, really closest friends. It was like a week ago where I swear it was almost comical because I had gotten like three texts in a row from my three closest people being like, I had a panic attack this morning. I had it like mm-hmm. really heavy shit. And I wasn't great, but I was like, okay. And my thought was like, I had this bit of not jealousy, but it was like this bit of like, I don't know when I am that not okay. Like, I don't know. 
I, I think it's maybe like a connection thing, but sometimes I'm so not even aware of what's going on in my body and in my mind mm-hmm. to even be able to say to a friend what, like I've really had to develop that skill because of, and that's why this whole program is called let it out because I got so <laughs> good at holding things in and pocketing things down and putting on a good face. And I think ultimately that hurts us, you know, it's like this sharing and connection is when it can dissipate. But again, at the same time, I do have a bit of a, not eye roll, but a bit of like, okay, I get it. But I, I pushed through and I like had to go to work anyway, or I, you know, sometimes you don't have that. It's like, I feel both things at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, in my life, and again, maybe to a fault, sometimes I'm just overly honest (laughs) with maybe myself and with others. And I think I just, I think my relationship with Dan, I mean, we've been together for so long. He is not a fighter. Like I'm a fighter. Like if I was in a relationship with another fighter, we would be divorced the first year because I just, I could fight with someone. He is not that way. And he is a very much pause before you say something pause, because how would that make the other person feel? And I just think I've learned a lot from him too. And like maybe realizing why I feel a certain way. So like, maybe I'll go off on some things like, Oh, why, why aren't these dishes put away? And then I can walk away and think it has nothing to do with the dishes. I'm really stressed Mm -hmm. out about the pandemic. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. like, and, and I think it's watching him just be such a chill, just in touch person that like, doesn't meditate. It's just kind of how he was raised. I think I've learned a lot from him to just, and he's never said like, you need to check your emotions. I've just kind of seen by example that it's not always about the thing that you think it's about. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, with the dishes and then realizing it's about something else and, and, you Mm -hmm. know, feeling emotional or feeling down. Do you, I mean, obviously our because of you, actually, there's a podcast called Spiraling that you made happen because you connected Serena and I, which <laughs> is about anxiety. And I don't know if I've actually talked to you, but I remember Serena said to me like, oh yeah, Jess isn't anxious. And I just could, like remember like hearing that in passing. But I know that you experience highs and, and lows like what I'm trying to say, what is your mental health situation, Jess? Like, do you, right, right do you now? get anxious? Well, generally and right now. Just overall. You, yeah. Do you feel like you have experienced anxiety? Like you might not identify as anxious, but how do you experience anxiety? And, you know, I talk a lot about my depression on spiraling. Like, do you have the high highs and low lows of that? I mean, I I mentioned this in my book, but in the stress management chapter that my nickname in my family used to be Stressica because like I was, they viewed me as always stressed out about something. And I think within my family, I think that stress was generally from wanting to be perfect at everything. So it was stress about not getting a perfect grade, a stress about not having the best this or the stress about, is that person mad at me? So I definitely think that, I think that I have, I'm a rehabilitated stressica and I think that I manage stress much better now, but I do think, I mean, I have a severe 
history of depression, body dysmorphia. I went through some very dark times, especially with my endo. I mean, I think with endo, there you have an elevated risk of having depression and anxiety. So all of my family's on some sort of antidepressant or bipolar medication. I've always used other things like movement and friendship and things to sort of, and I'm not saying, you know, maybe I needed to be on medication. I just, I've used other things, but yeah, I, I, it's weird because I think I don't consider myself a depressed person, but whenever I'm in a doctor's office and you have to mark off, like, do you have a history of depression or these types of thoughts? Like, yes, 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 yes. I think, again, I'm really good at, and I don't even know if it's faking it because when I'm with my friends, I'm able to sort of bust out of that a little bit, but I also might not go somewhere because I do feel, because I am feeling it that day. Yeah. You mentioned a lot of tools that help like movement and talking about it and being around people. Is there anything else that you've noticed or recently with what's been going on with you mental health wise that has been a new tool or coping mechanism that you've been turning to? Yeah. Well, you know, pre-conversation, I was just suffering from depression that I was not really able to get out of with movement and things. And it felt a little bit more than just quote unquote, the pandemic. And so I, I really started to investigate more. I went to a bunch of doctors and I know this is a huge privilege. I got this extensive poop test and it turns out I have a lot of stuff, like three major things that are wrong with my gut that cause major depression. And so I think it's really hard to say this to someone who is in a very, very dark place, but I just am all about continuing to search for answers. And again, that's not easy, right? Like, I mean, it can take a lot to even just get out of bed during the day. But I think one of the biggest tools that I have had during this time is just allowing myself to keep searching, even though some of the answers are hard. Yeah. Well, I'm so sorry that you have been going through that. And I'm happy that you have an answer and you're, you know, moving. and it's just validating when you get yeah. an answer, right? It's like kind yeah. of like, like the doctor I saw, she's like, how have you been getting through each day? I'm like, dude, <laughs> I've been doing it. And so it's, it's kind of exciting to, to think about the other side of that. And again, I know not everyone, you know, their solution is going to be a poop test, but I just, I think sometimes even asking a friend to maybe help you dig deeper too, if you're not able to do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And it it's wild that you through, through that wrote a book and showed up and, you know, our Sid's mom and did all the things that you, and in the pandemic. <laughs> And I think I'm telling you, I've talked, so I'm obsessed with Dr. Elizabeth Stanley. She wrote the book, Widen the Window. I've had her on my podcast a couple of times and she just, it's the best book that's ever been written about trauma and stress. And I've interviewed her for my book too. And I was talking to her about 
the pandemic and everything that's going on. And I just, I told her, I said, I think that so many people that are parents or have chronic illness that have not had a choice to process everything yet that's going on, I foresee maybe next fall just completely crashing. Oh my God. Because I don't think so. And I'm, you know, listen, I hope that doesn't happen to many of us, but I don't think a lot of us have had the opportunity to fully grieve and process because we have to keep going. We have to keep our jobs. We have to parent. We have to manage our illnesses, whatever we have to do to get by. We haven't really had time to process everything that's happened. So I'm really trying to, I'm not saying I am going to crash, but that's a little bit of how I have generally operated in the past. It's like, go, 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 go. And then when things are a little bit chill, everything bubbles up to the surface and I truly feel it. So I'm trying to feel it little by little so that doesn't happen. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah no, it, it fully, fully makes sense. I think it's so just wild. Interesting. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about the long, no one knows how this will affect us long-term. No one knows how this will affect children. And I, I don't know, have you... I don't think there's enough information about this, but I haven't. I also haven't researched it. I'm curious the after effects of the Spanish flu on mental health and what happened after that, because yeah. they, you know, everyone's talking about how it's going to be the Roaring Twenties, and you know, we're going to be so excited to be out and see each other. And I, I am just really curious about the long term effects of all of this on all of us in, in different ways. And there's there's many things about this pandemic for me personally that I can look at and have a lot of gratitude towards. And then there are other things mm -hmm. that are a big bummer. And I, I'm sure all of us have that in, in our own ways, but connection, you know, is really the 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 biggest thing. And I, I think I said this to my friends' kids, I'm like, wow, all the best parts of school and being a kid were taken away from you. Lunch and playground time and seeing your friends and you just have the school part, which is so terrible. And then that also kind of happened to grownups, you know, like we just have yeah. the work and the calls and all the good parts, like going out to dinner and parties, like all of that we've been stripped away of. So, you know, there's gotta be an effect of that. Oh my gosh, of course. But, but I think it's, wild on the flip <laughs> side that uh, like the idea of going to an no shade for people that travel. I'm not ready to fly in a plane yet, but the idea of going on a trip right now and taking three planes to get home to where I live, that also sounds exhausting to me yeah. because I think things that became like so much of our routine now it's like, Oh, do I want to, do that again? Like, I, I don't know. It's, I think it's, I, I hope that it also doesn't turn us a lot into recluse introverts and do the opposite of the roaring 20s thing. Yeah. And I think it might, I think it will for some people. I think there was a real moment at the beginning for me where I was like, oh, this is what I needed. I had been moving so fast and literally traveling around and I was it forced me to ground in a way I think I really needed. And 
probably still need to, to some extent. And just, you know, I think I, it was so funny how I filled my time in, in other ways with another Zoom meeting and another, you know, it was just mm-hmm. wherever you go, there you are, even in the pandemic. But I, I hope I, I, my life did simplify so much and that I do want to hold on to longer and also figure out how to have that within a life that is more connected. Yeah, for sure. It'll be, gosh. Okay. So what's the new word for interesting? I know. Um, It'll be fascinating. But see, the thing about fast, I think the thing about interesting is, is it's neutral enough. Right. That fascinating, it feels like too much. This is wow. Yeah. <laughs> fascinating. It's like a little profound. Like, uh, yeah. This is this is profound. So whatever. We'll just keep on staying yeah. interesting. Yeah. Inter- we'll we'll look up a synonym after this. Yeah. Or if anyone has one, please feel free. <laughs> I'd I'd like to talk about your creative process and Oof. Okay. how that's changed and you know the process of this book, but you are someone who, you know, has a chronic illness and has, that's what you would call endo, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Chronic illness is fine. Something chronic. (laughs) And (laughs) you are a mom and you obviously do several things within your job and within your career. So I would love to talk about any habits and routines that help you. And also what would you define as your creative process when you need to do or want to do the creative parts of your work? Yeah, that, I mean that definitely changed this past year, and I think we get it, it helped me be so much less precious about my routines. I I forget. I think it was. It's funny. I've never read any of her books, but I love reading about what she says about writing. But Zadie Smith, I saw some quote that she said about like, let's stop romanticizing the processes of writers or something. It's like, you can either write or you can't. It's just like, it's another job, which I thought, I don't know. I I thought that was really interesting because I, I mean, I do it myself. Like I love hearing about people's routines and I kind of, there's those books. I think, you know, I love the daily rituals where it just is a hundred stories of famous artists, their creative process. And I think that during this past year, I, I mean, I was such in a way of like, okay, there is this one table at Whole Foods that I write best at. I like to get there at this time. I need to have this music while I write. And it was this very structured, this is my creative process. Well, when everything shut down, you could not sit at that Whole Foods anymore. They took the tables away. I was homeschooling. So it was like, figure out another process. Like, you need to adapt. Like you can't have this precious ceremonial romanticized process. I mean, I set up a beach tent in our backyard that my dad had gotten me the year prior. It was just like in our trunk had never been used before. And I, cause I was thinking, where can I go? Where can I, and I know it's a luxury to even have like a 300 foot square foot backyard, but I was like, where can I, it's not 300 square feet, it's like 30 square feet, but where can I go that is not in my house? Because I can't go right at my favorite coffee shop. I can't go to the Whole Foods I like. So I set up that tent in the backyard and I would just write until the computer shut off, which was, you know, about two hours or so. 
And yeah, I had to get very creative with my creative processes. And, you know, with homeschooling, my husband and I would change every two hours to be with my son or to work. And you know what it's like writing. I mean, it sometimes it takes you 40 minutes to just even get into the mindset of being ready to write. So I think it, I think this past year, it really sort of was a nice shock to the system that you don't have to have the perfect conditions to be artistic. I mean, it does help not doing it during a pandemic in a tent, but you figure out a way. And I had to figure out a way. And I did that. That's something that I was really, really missing. And like why I created Creative Underdogs in October was really about that. I'm, I'm renaming it also where, you know that Ira Glass quote, The Gap? No, tell me it. Oh, I think you would really like this. It's, it's about creative process where when you're, you, I feel like you would really relate to this actually because you have such a great eye and aesthetic and affinity for design. But he says that whatever your art is, you have good taste, right? For getting into it. Like you have inspiration and people you admire, like let's say podcasting as an example, and then you start doing it it feels uncomfortable as a beginner because your ability doesn't match your taste. Oh my gosh. Yes. And yeah. And so anyway, I bring that up because creative underdogs, the membership that I started in October, it I'm renaming it to be called in process because mm-hmm. it feels more correct. And, but I, I came up with that when it was, too late. Like it still is called mm-hmm. creative underdogs on my website and stuff. And I know you and I have both debriefed about this privately where we feel like our presence on the internet or something design wise doesn't match where we are now. And it's like mm-hmm. who we were five years ago or whatever. And that discomfort. So anyway, I was just bringing up creative underdogs, but the reason I, I made creative underdogs slash in process <laughs> was because of that exact feeling of there's something about I tend to ritualize things and exactly like that you like you said with the table at Whole Foods or you know the places that I would go in New York and could be alone around others was really mm-hmm. important to me. And it would almost be like if I just was productive in one spot one day, I would be like, okay, I'd do that every day. I am mm-hmm. there. And then oftentimes I would go, I'd make my way there and like wouldn't it wouldn't work that day because it's elusive. Mm-hmm. And, but the, there's a loneliness to like, I need to be alone to write. I need to be alone to, to work on something and focus, but I, I don't want to do it because it's lonely, but if I can do yeah. it at a coffee shop or if I can do it at my friend's house and, you know, without the pressure of having to talk, but having people around me, like there's something about that, that is, so nourishing and needed and I miss so much. No, I mean, absolutely. I mean, one of the, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I actually liked, I wrote my first book at this coffee shop here called Caviar and Bananas. And it's a very transient, I'll call it coffee shop where nobody actually sits and writes because I I do have a hard time writing next to people that they're quote unquote writing. And really they're just on Facebook the whole time. And it's very distracting to me. So the whole foods that I went to similar to this coffee shop that I wrote my first book, 
people are just in and out, right? They're not staying. And I liked that energy of it just being a lot of in and out. So yeah, I 100% miss that energy. I mean, I remember going to my tent in the backyard and thinking, could I watch Hulu while I write just so I could feel like connected to something? It's like, no, you can't watch Hulu when you write because you can't. I mean, I could if I could, but I would get too distracted. Yeah, I definitely missed the energy of others because yeah, writing is a very lonely act. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. So in Creative Underdog slash in process, we do these co-working sessions where we turn on Zoom and we all say what we're going to work on and then we like put mute ourselves and do it. And it's good, but it's not, you know, being in a coffee shop or co-working space or having your spot. And because I don't have to part of that and, and you don't really have it go walking to the tent. It's like, it's the commute. It's the going somewhere mm-hmm. and getting there and getting set up. And then there's, to me, there's like a pressure now that I have of like, you dude, you came all the way here. You brought your snacks, you got set up, <laughs> you can't, and you're call- It's almost like you're trapped. It's like, I'm not, I can't eat or be with someone else until I at least get through something or I'm going to feel really shitty if I just leave and I haven't like gotten through something. So that helps too. Yeah. And I, and I do think as restrictive as it was to have two hour time blocks to write, switching back and forth with my husband homeschooling, I do think that those restrictions too helped me because it's like, you can't fuck around on some celebrity gossip site that I'm like looking at for the 30 minutes that I used to, because you have two hours to write right now. So you need to knock out the best two hours that you can do. And sometimes that meant having nothing on the page, but also maybe having a better framework for when I had my next two hours to write. And I will say Dan is, you know, amazing and would basically, I would be able to have enough time to spend the entire Saturday and Sunday in the tent. So those Saturdays and Sundays were really when I got a lot of the writing done. Yeah, that makes sense because I feel that too of I need so much space. I need space to meander and get started and read a couple of things first and then look at my phone and then and then write a little bit and then get distracted and think about a person and send a text and and those sorts of writing days are sounds like your Saturdays and Sundays and those are special and and great. And I think I heard Tavi Gevinson talk about this recently on a podcast where she was saying, she's like, I'm the type of writer that I'm like chatting with my friends while I'm writing. I'm like texting and then I'm writing a little bit. I'm I'm not like phone off in the other room, whatever. And I thought that was interesting because I usually need to be the other. Like I need to like phone on airplane mode, really hyper-focused. I can be in a room with lots of people. And I think that's because I grew up in newsrooms, you know, like working Mm -hmm. in, in journalism in college. And so I actually like the hustle and bustle around me, but I can hyper focus, but I I gotta like, I can't really get distracted while I'm in oh, that mode. Yeah. I had so, a, there was a no phone rule for the tent. Oh and, yeah. And I, and I hope people are picturing this. This is a, like a one person beach tent. Okay. <laughs> I'm not so funny. This is, this is not like a yurt or something amazing. Like, 
in like on land in New Mexico. This is a beach tent that it would basically filled up my backyard. So, but it was my it was my sanctuary for that for that time. Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I think everybody's creative process is so different with what we need. And I think it's also like what Zadie Smith says, and Elizabeth Gilbert talks about this too, of like, it's just like any other job where it's just like, put your butt in the chair and show part of it. It goes back to what we were talking about, about emotions too. Sometimes it's just like, yeah, I don't feel like writing like right now today. I don't have to, but I do have to, I also don't feel like recording the intro and the ads for this week's episode, but like, I'm going to do that one. Cause I, someone's waiting for it, you know, Your job. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I, and, and I do feel like sometimes again, I'm not romanticizing the vocation of writing, but there is a little bit more pressure sometimes because I would have moments where I'm like, oh yeah, I, I'm in this good zone right now. I'm knocking this out. And then it would hit me. Oh my gosh, this is being published <laughs> with Penguin Random House. <laughs> this isn't like some blog I can take down. If yeah, I we're don't not like fucking it. around here. <laughs> So there, there is a little bit sometimes that added pressure of, oh, this is actually a very real book that people will be reading. And I, you know, you try to take that out of your mind while you're writing, but you can have moments while you're writing and it, it can kind of throw you off your game for a second if you think about it too much. Yeah. You would love this quote. I got to find it and, and send it to you. But do you know David Carr, the writer? Uh-uh. No. I think you'd you'd like his stuff. He he passed away a couple of years ago, but he has this quote that I put on my Instagram a couple when I read it and it said don't think about the plot to take over the world, just do the your task. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I mean I, it's essentially like nurture the garden in front of you, you know? Right. Totally. Yeah, get the pages done and then worry about how everyone will judge them later. <laughs> yeah. And I think it goes back to like Stressica and what would the Katie yep. version of that like stress Kate? It doesn't work for my name. It um, doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> but I could have been called that too. And and honestly could be called that that now even. It's like the stress comes from like, oh my God, I have so much on my plate. And it's just like, just even yesterday I, I was with my friend and her children and, and it was such a beautiful moment and they they had moved across the coast. And yet I was like, spiraling about a stupid email that I needed to send and like mm. little things that like were, and it's like, that's not the garden in front of me. The garden in front of me is these people and this time. And like when I was in Bali, this, this <laughs> healer, I'm saying it, here we are. Please say, stay seated, everyone. I said the word healer about someone in Bali, <laughs> but he said to me this mantra that has always stuck with me. And it was here now in this. Here now mm -hmm. in this. And it just like every time I start to go into like, oh, but I got to send the email and the thing and the launch and the thing. And it's like, yeah, man, but right here, you're going to miss it. Like you're going to, this is it. You're going to miss your life if you're stressed about all this stuff that like may or may not matter. Yeah. And generally that email that you had to send, maybe it was important, but the other person's probably stressing about something else. Right. Exactly. Exactly. This week's episode is brought to you by Public Goods. Public Goods is this really 
lovely, well-designed, single product brand that members can buy all their premium essentials in one place with one beautiful streamlined aesthetic. Everything kind of goes together that I have, which I really enjoy. Public Goods searches the globe to find eco-friendly, innovative products. I love their dish soap and their deodorant. I love their mustard. (laughs) These products are all so good and they all look the same. And it's your one-stop shop for sustainable, high-quality, everyday essentials made from clean ingredients at an affordable price. Everything from coffee to toilet paper, shampoo, dental floss, pet food, Public Goods is your new everything store, thoughtfully designed for the conscious consumer like me, like you. They ethically source and obsessively develop each of their products to be free of harmful additives that are still common in a lot of grocery store and drugstore shelves. They're committed to making their products healthy and safe for humans and animals and the environment. Knowing what's in your products and where they come from is important. Small changes in the way that we shop can make a big impact on the world at large. They use a membership model to keep costs low and pass on even more savings to their customers. Best of all, you can make your first purchase with no obligation. Try it out. They plant one tree for every order placed and incorporate sustainability into every part of the company. Join hundreds of thousands of others, including me, who have switched to their new everything store. We've worked out an exclusive deal just for Let It Out podcast listeners. Receive $15 off your first public goods order with no minimum purchase. That's right. They are so confident that you will absolutely love their products and come back again and again that they're just giving you $15 to spend on your first purchase. You have nothing to lose. Just go to publicgoods.com slash Katie, K-A-T-I-E, or use the code Katie at checkout. That's P-U-B-L-I-C-G-O-O-D-S dot com forward slash Katie. My name, K-A-T-I-E. This week's episode is brought to you by my favorite app, Headspace. What's really cool is that Headspace is this pocket-sized guide that helps you sleep, focus, act, and be better. (laughs) If you have 10 minutes, Headspace can actually change your life. I really love this app so much. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations and an easy to use app. Headspace is the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? There's a Headspace for that. Three-minute SOS meditation for you. Can't fall asleep? There's a Headspace for that. Headspace has these wind-down sessions that everybody seems to love, all of my friends. And for parents, I'm living with some children right now. Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Again, I love this app so much. I do a meditation every single day. My friend Christine really turned me on to it, who if you've been listening to the podcast, you know her. It's helped with her anxiety a lot. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on their benefits and 600,000 five-star reviews. Wow, that's a lot of five-star reviews. And over 60 million downloads. 
it must be good, you know? When there's a line outside of a place, there's something to that, right? A lot of people like this app, including me. I feel like you guys would really enjoy it as well. Let me know, give it a go, and tell me what you think. Headspace makes it easy for you to build in a meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel better and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash let it out. That's headspace.com slash let it out for a free one month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. That's the best deal offered right now. So just head to headspace.com slash let it out today. I'm interrupting this episode to tell you about this app that I love called Stereo. Join us every Thursday at noon for a follow-up show. I'm calling it So I Meant to Ask You, and it's when I bring previous podcast guests back on the show and friends of mine, and we have a vulnerable conversation. I am loving Stereo. I'm going to be talking on there a lot every week or more. So get notified every time I go live. Follow me there. I would really love to connect with you on this app. Just download the Stereo app and follow me at stereo.com slash The link will be in the show notes and I'd love to talk to you there. I want to talk about digital minimalism. It was your... Oh my gosh. Your recent I'm obsessed with Cal Newport. (laughs) I would like to talk about that, but I'd also... I really want to talk about social media with you too. So maybe we can kind of Mm -hmm. merge these two together because Mm -hmm. I know that, you know, it's something that Serena and I on Spiraling talk about a lot. And I know you've had conversations with Serena on and offline about social media and Mm -hmm. it's... And it's something that we've talked about in our friendship over the years several times. And so I would love to just kind of hear your thoughts on, on, I feel like you're someone who I've watched develop and create good boundaries with communication through email and and texting and, and also with social media. So I'd love to just hear where you are with both of those things. Well, funny that you ask because yesterday... I mean, I just don't, I just don't post on my personal social media because I just don't care, which is whatever that attitude, take it or leave it. But I also know that I have a book coming out and, you know, I bet the publisher would like it if I kept those numbers <laughs> up. <laughs> and so I was like, I got to post something. And I, and I will, the worst will feeling, say, the worst feeling should probably, I will post. say, I know. I will say I'm very, I, I do post probably twice a week on the Know Your Endo account. But to me, it feels like something where I am providing a fact. I am providing a resource. It, it, I don't know. It feels a little bit different to me. So it, it's a strange feeling because I don't actually feel deeply connected to that Instagram personally, the Know Your Endo one. To me, it's just, this is a resource hub. My personal yeah. one, Jessica Mernan. So yesterday I'm like, probably should post something. I grew these really pretty Brussels sprouts. And I was like, I guess I could post oh, these yeah. Brussels sprouts. But as I was doing it, I'm like, why? Oh, yeah. Why? So someone can say, good job growing Brussels <laughs> sprouts. Like, way to go. I wish I had a garden. 
what the fuck does that, what did that even serve besides bragging that I grew Brussels sprouts? So yes, I mean, and you know this about me. I mean, pre, I'm a little older than you, but I was never on MySpace. I was never on Friendster. I was never on Facebook. I never took part of social media at all. I thought it was the most uncool thing you could do. And when I was launching One Part Plant, a friend was like, you got to get on social media if you want to put this out there more. It was a restaurant program I was doing in Chicago. So I was like, fine, I'll do it. And, you know, I ended up getting a book deal and it had nothing to do with my social media because I had like 2000 followers when I got the book deal. But still to this day, I still feel like, why? And I will say if like I have a new podcast, super excited to post that. If, you know, I don't post pictures of my son or husband anymore, which I'm the most proud. They're like the coolest people in the world. Dan, my husband's not on any social. My son is six. He, I mean, I'm not going to just post him because maybe he doesn't want to be on there. So yeah, so I, I definitely feel a big why. And I think it's cool to share your life. I guess I'm just in a place where I'd rather take those Brussels sprouts next door and hold them up to my neighbor's window and be like, look what I grew. Yeah. And so I'm not taking away from it. I think it's a great place to connect. I've met a lot of friends there. I'm just very much in a place of what is the why? Yeah, it's, it's really complex. And, you know, I, (laughs) I just keep laughing about this because I don't even know if I've told you this, but my social media was always growing, like my whole career, we'll call it, or whatever, life. And then in the last year, just like rapid decline, like mm-hmm. very rapidly going down to the point where like... But it almost felt like the number on the scale, like seeing that number, I hated it, that it, mm-hmm. I, it affected me. But seeing it go down again and again and again was like, this amount of people decided they wanted to not have me in their in their <laughs> life. And I'm not even really posting or using this in any way. But now I just kind of laugh about it. And I'm just like, all right, this is this is so weird. It's like inviting everyone that I've ever known to my office because I'm posting about things that are related to my life and work. And my there's a blurred line there, but it's like, you know, my high school teacher, someone I had a crush on, my mom's friend, and like people who listen to the podcast, they're all there, you know? So it's like, who is this for? What am I doing? It's its really complex, but I also see it's like, I've taken really long breaks and then come back to it because, you know, it it does feed my work in some way and is connected to- Yeah, it does. It does feed it. And like someone like Serena, we've definitely had a lot of conversations about it. She- enjoys it. Yeah. So I'm not taking away anybody's joy from it. When I say, what's the why? I mean, I'm talking about myself. I don't know what my why is. Whereas someone like Serena, she finds a lot of joy in sharing her Sunday night pizzas and sharing about her and Logan's. I mean, she doesn't go too deep into the relationship, but you know, she does share a lot and she enjoys it. Whereas it's just... I have never enjoyed it from the beginning of time, but I will say I do enjoy sharing about other people. I enjoy sharing about books that I've read, which I guess is sharing, promoting other people. 
I just, I just am kind of in a place of, and I think I'm also going back to the beginning of this conversation, extremely empathetic. So I thought about by posting these Brussels sprouts, there's a lot of people that don't have food right now, which I know that's like taking it to an extreme, but it's just when in the Indo community, it's like posting about my son. There's a lot of people that are going through infertility. So I also try to think about like, too, it's like, how am I going to maybe trigger someone or how is this going to make them feel? And sometimes I don't know if it always makes people feel good. Yeah. Like, yeah. look at my new house. Oh, why? <laughs> no, I know. I know. I've taken big breaks where I've done nothing. And then it's like, okay, well, then there's such a pressure of like when I like with the Brussels sprouts, the one, but if you're doing it more often, like I kind of think, you know, we'll use Serena as an example because most everyone who listens to this knows her. She's not thinking like, okay, well, who needs to see my pizza? It's just something that she does every week and that's her job and that's what she does. And and she's really yeah. helped me with that where it's like, she told me once, she's like, Katie, rituals and recommendations. That's all you got to do. Rituals, <laughs> recommendations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like, she's so good at it. And look, I used to do it and I tried to, you know, and with the know your endo one, I do, like I said, I, it doesn't have a huge following yet because I'm growing it. But I don't know when I post something on, I'm like, okay, this benefited someone in some way. And I mean, Serena says it's like, you know, you post the Brussels sprouts, maybe that made someone happy. Like, okay. But then I also feel like I could have put that energy into doing something else and making somebody happy in my real life. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I think it's good. I think it's bad. I think it's whatever. I want to have a flip phone and live in a year. So that'll be the goal of 2025. You can live in your tent. Can I come with you? Can I come visit? I've been trying to come visit you for years. So I'll come to the, I'll come to the year. Um, I do want to, this is a good transition. Speaking of happy to do happy thinking more, please, which is, yes, the, yes. This, is this episode. But I just want to say one more thing about social media, which is that the part that feels most complex for me is that some, depending on the day, sometimes it is fun for me. And I do have a a Mm, Serena mm -hmm. perspective about it where it's given me a lot of joy. It's connected me to people. And then again, much like the the coffee shop thing where I get a bit superstitious about it, where it's like, okay, that was great. I got to do that again. Like I have a very addictive personality. So for me, it's like, as soon as something is good, I want to figure out how I can hold on to it forever and increase the dose, you know? Oh my gosh, absolutely. And I just actually talked to Serena and Phoebe about this recently is that someone posted about my book on a page that had 2 million followers. That day I got tons of DMs. I got tons of new followers. I'm like, oh, I get this dopamine hit now. It's like, it was kind of fun to kind of see all the new people saying hi and all the messages of like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to read your book. Like, so I think the more engagement that you get, the more fun it is to be on there. And I put fun in quotes because I also think that's a huge distraction. So I do think, you know, for Serena or someone like that, who's constantly putting out new products, new recommendations, having fun with it, and she's getting that fun back, of course, like that would be a lot of fun to be there. I personally find myself becoming too tied to it. And I just would prefer not to have that. 
Yeah, it's designed to be addictive. And yes. it's and we we know that, yet we're still drawn in. Like I I, I'm trying to not even really go on as a consumer. And I and I am usually pretty good about that. But in, when I'm in a low place, I sometimes turn to it. And I happened to last night and I just felt so icky after. And, mm-hmm. and you know, and it's that was not new information. And now I know and you know, onward it is what it is. But it, it just, yeah, I, I think that the thing that I'm finding more and more is that it's such a mixed bag. Sometimes it makes me feel good and I'll walk away from it feeling good. Sometimes what I post makes me feel uncertain or anxious or whatever. And and I know, you know, talking to Serena, she feels that way too. But I think the bigger the the bigger the high, the lower the low. And then this is the other the last point that I'll make about this is a couple of years ago we talked about I was when I classically tried to make a magazine and and ultimately failed, as we all know in this family. But I was trying to decide should I make an account for Let It Out or not. And you gave me the very good advice back then, which was no, just like turn your personal account into that account. And I didn't follow it, <laughs> much like the New York thing. Took me a second. I made an account for Let It Out, which now has like you know four followers, but. I am kind of happy that I have that account. I think it's kind of like your know your endo account because I do. I feel that freedom of like, this is my work. This is why, you know, you're here. If you're following this, you care about the podcast. You're not someone, you know, who just I met tangentially at a thing and whatever. And there is a freedom there. But then also a lot of the people from my real life have like are also on that account. So it it does kind of get muddy. But, you know, I think having an account that doesn't have a lot of followers in your your building is 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 a ultimately good thing. And- yeah, and it feels good when it has more intention. Like I actually love my personal account when I have a new podcast coming out and I want people to ask the guest questions and the questions I get from the people my community it makes my entire day. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, we're so connected. We're on the same page. This is amazing. And then it's like, okay, well that was a really cool moment, but now I don't need to post, you know, a picture of my breakfast or whatever. It's however yeah. people want to use it. I'm not judging. I just want to be clear about that. I'm talking about personally how it makes me feel. Yeah, which is great. And what I, I'm happy to have this conversation because I think it's interesting to talk about. I think I think not talking about it and just all kind of feeling this like general malaise of like, this is weird. And not, much like the p- pandemic, none of us really know how this is going to affect our brains long term. Like, I think it's good that we're probably curious and having a interesting, hopefully, conversation about it. Yeah. And I th- this is the last thing. I remember so vividly when my cat's passed away. Oh, it, it was like, it'll be two years this May. Oh my gosh. And um, I posted a picture of my Coco, like after, like a couple days after it happened with just like a heart. And a couple of people in my life knew that she had passed away. And then I just started getting all of these comments. Like, I'm so sorry. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. My cat is like, Okay. And then I just immediately took the post down because it's like, I didn't, I actually didn't want to get sympathy. I didn't want to get those types of comments. I was just posting that as like almost like this weird grief, like 
just wanting to to remember her in a, in a photo some way. Like, I don't know. And so I was like, why the fuck did I post that? And so moments like those, I'm just like, I actually didn't want that reaction. I just wanted in some way to remember her for myself, but I'll just make a fucking photo album instead. Yeah, that's the thing about social media. And, and I used to think about this as Facebook with Facebook because I started, I got a Facebook my freshman year of high school. And so every weekend it was like on our digital cameras, it was all of our high school photos. And I remember mm-hmm. in college or after college being like, oh yeah, I don't have a Facebook is my scrapbook. And now I can't tell you the last time I was on Facebook. I don't even think I have my password, but that's what I thought back then. And then that's what Instagram kind of became is of this like memory of my life. And and now it just feels like work and it doesn't feel that way. And it's it's messier. And and but I think at its core, it was meant to be this spur of the moment sharing for you, whatever. And it's just changed so much. So I think that that yeah. impulse to post about Coco was from what it maybe was at one point, but now it's not. And didn't feel good. And it's just this like moment to moment awareness. And I think there's a lot of people that post that picture of their cat. They get condolences and it, it fuels them and it makes them feel good for myself that it didn't make me feel good. Yeah. Oh, it's so complex. I, I even just put, I did like a Instagram live with someone and my, I had gotten a, a haircut that was like, my hair is like the shortest it's ever been. And I got so many texts from like my cousin in Austin and ran, like just being like about my hair. I didn't even like say anything about the hair. It was weeks ago. I'd kind of forgotten, but it's like, God, this is a wild thing that connects us. And mo- like, it's just, it, there's a power to this, you know? Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Happy. Thank you more, please. As you know, this is a a new series of this show where I ask guests to bring something they're happy about, something they are craving, they want more of, and something that they're grateful for. It comes from the title of the film made by someone from your hometown (laughs) that I Mm -hmm. very awkwardly at my birthday party was like, you guys are both from Columbia, my Zoom very 2020 birthday party where I was like, you guys are both from Columbus chat. And then then I made a dig about his, it was just a joke. I don't think he thought it was funny, but anyway, (laughs) that was, uh, I I can't believe it's almost been a year since then. My 30th birthday party on zoom just made me a sign, which was the real highlight of that, (laughs) which I never mailed. Sorry about that. Oh, that's okay. 31. You can, you can bust it out for 31. Okay. So do you have your, what are you, what's making you happy right now, Jess? Okay. I thought about this a lot and I want to say happy. Like, can we just say like, I'm grateful and happy for having a home, for having food, for having good health, blah, blah, blah. I just thought I would just kind of get like real, not deep with these, if that's cool, because these are truly the things that are making me happy right now. It's like not some meditation practice and being grateful for whatever. So one thing that's making me very happy right now, I thought about it because it's happening tonight, is that my I have five siblings, but two of my sisters, Kelly and Alyssa, we have this new thing that we do every single Tuesday night where we watch The Bachelor together via text. 
And I know The Bachelor is on Monday nights, but we watch it on Tuesday, so we don't have commercials. And what's so great about it is, is that my one sister, Alyssa, has never watched The Bachelor in her entire life. She said, I will do one episode to be nice to you guys, and I, I'm not doing any more. We have now captured her for The Bachelorette season and The Bachelor. And it's less about, I guess, The Bachelor because it's a horrible show that has very big problems right now. But it's just us being together and doing something. And also, Alyssa and Kelly historically have not been like super, super, super close. And it's something that the three of us are doing together. And now I actually plan around that Tuesday night. Like when someone's like, oh, hey, can you talk this week at night? I'm like, I can do any night, but Tuesday. So it's kind of, it's just the thing that's making me happy getting to be with my sisters via text, which sounds weird, but it's so fun. Because they're very, very funny people. I love that. I love that so much that my friend and I did a similar thing in the beginning of the pandemic where every Friday we would like FaceTime together and do you just having those, I think these markers of like we were saying, having somewhere to be at a certain time, like yes, nice. totally. And to connect yeah. to your siblings. I, I really, really love my it. sister so doing that. We call it the CD, which means the countdown. So my one sister is like three, two, one, and we all have to hit play at the same time. This is over text. It's not like FaceTime or Zoom. So it's very, I don't know, it's very fun. I love that. Also, my friends and I were hanging out the other night and they're like, we're going to nominate you for The Bachelor or the whatever. <laughs> um, and I've never watched an episode. Do you think I should? Do you think I should? I go absolutely on? think you should not be on that show. <laughs> okay, great. Done. All right. What are you grateful for? What are you? Or wait, that well, yeah, we'll go in this order. <laughs> grateful? Yeah. I am really grateful to my friends just in general. And I think that especially with a book coming out, people really turn up for you and it's, I don't know, you know that they like you, but like you having me on your podcast for the third freaking time, like I'm very grateful for that. And like, I had a friend the day that I revealed the cover of my book, like she dropped off flowers and I just, I'm very grateful for the friends that I have. I can't, and it's hard because I know that there's a lot of people that don't have good friends. I have people in my life where I'm kind of like their only friend. And I know it's a huge privilege to have good friends, but I just don't know what I would do without them right now. Oh, I love that. I'm so happy that you have that and you are a good friend. And I'll never forget that you you know, have supported me and had me on your podcast. And that's meant so, so much for me and, and posted about, shared about my book and, and shared about my podcasting kit and been a part of that. And, and I'm not saying this to be like, well, it's, it's uh, this for that. Cause it's not that at all. You could have done none of those things. And I, and I would support you, but you are, I just want to call out for people listening. You are also a very good friend and good person and, that's no small thing. And I'm grateful for that. Well, thank you. Okay. What are you craving? What do you want more of? Okay. I thought about this one too. 
I want more French shows in my life. So this is the second thing about television, (laughs) but I watched The Agent on Netflix. I don't know if people have seen The Agent. It's a French show, obsessed with it. Then I watched another French show called Family Business, obsessed with that one. And now I'm on to a third French show called, I think it's called The Hookup Plan. And I just, it was, it was a hard, it was a risk, right? Because you've got subtitles, which I'm Mm -hmm. not opposed to subtitles, but I think we have become, when we watch TV, we like to do three different things while we're watching TV. Yeah. It's like we're on double screening, knitting. Yeah. Double screening. And it has been so fun to just be engaged with something. And I'll have to say these French shows are freaking amazing. And I want more of them. I want more French shows on Netflix. Please give them to me. Yes. I love that. Cool. Have okay. you seen The Agent? Have you None. seen The Agent? Nope. I haven't watched any Did of these. Do you see Family Business? Okay. Mm-mm. Well, The Agent is amazing. It's about this. It's an agency and they rep celebrities. And it's like each episode is about some wild thing that's happening with the celebrity. And they do have some really big, famous French celebs on there. But then they also have one or two famous American ones like Sigourney Weaver was on an episode and then family business is about this family that owns a butcher shop that gets into the weed business. And I love Paris and all everything French. So it just, I don't know. It's just really great. I just love it. I want more French shows. Oh, I love that. Okay. I'm gonna, this sounds (laughs) up my alley because I've been really, I was just talking to my friend, as you know, like speaking of social media, I like very sadly went to Paris, very Francis Ha sort of a way, went to Paris on my own and, you know, hung up, hung out with people that listened to the podcast and made, made friends. And I was just talking to them this week being like, man, I really miss visiting. I miss traveling. And I meant, so the show would be really, Oh my really gosh. Good you are me. going to love it because yeah, I, you know, destroyed Emily in Paris in one weekend. I watched every episode, but it didn't really give me the true French experience I was looking for. Actually, the boss in Emily in Paris is in the agent show. So there's a little crossover there. Oh, wow. They're just so so good. They're just, and you know how I am too. I just like nice shows and nice books. I don't like blood, (laughs) zombie, murder. I just want something that's kind of fun. Yeah. Or even like, because we've talked about this before, where like, I'll like something and you'll, or like even, yeah, you can get like misophonia about like a piece of art too, or you're like, this is one of your sad things. I'm not going to watch (laughs) it. Yeah, I just think you're always you're always so honest with me about that. And now I like know that with you in this friendship, but I think that's really funny. And this is about nothing, but I just want to tell this story on the podcast. This is there's not even a segue. But when we were talking about misophonia and writing in different places and different coffee shops, do you remember this, Jess? How we both hate Oh the- God, yes. <laughs> this certain song and we just I- felt anger thinking about that song 
Oh my God. And uh, we'll, we'll say what it is because we have to now. But anyway, it, you made, you told, I don't even know how this came up, but you told me once that like, it's always on in every coffee shop and every, and this was like, and maybe, I'll pack up my shit and leave if they turn it on. <laughs> don't play that song anymore. And then we had like a, a, a like ongoing text where I would like send you a video being like <laughs> volume, <laughs> just like me with the song on. Should we just have people guess what the song is and then tell them? Sure. You, you can guess. And, and, you know, not to offend people if you like that song, but I, it is intolerable to me. I used to like that song. I listened to it a ton. I saw this band in concert twice. So oh, you did. Oh, oh yeah. Well, like in college. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I, I liked it. I mean, now it's intolerable to me too, but just like as songs get, but I loved well, that, that band song back then. Like, from the get, I hated that song. So you can understand why, like the intensity of my, okay, <laughs> just, well. yeah, it, but yeah, maybe people can guess what song it is. Yeah. Well, I know what I'm going to do. I do. I pick an emoji for each episode and then they comment it on our Instagrams to let us know they're listening all the way to the end. And I'm going to pick the, the, luckily this song has an emoji that is one word that is perfect for this. So that is a big clue. Oh, okay. Okay. So they can, they can think of it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for doing this. I'm so, so so happy that we got to chat and everyone pre-order Jess's book. It is tremendous and was written in a tent and just (laughs) done so much research and you've learned so much since even the last time we spoke about Indo. So is there anything else you want to say about the book? No, I just, you know, I really truly wrote this book. I think so much of your work is, is helping people feel less alone and whatever Mm -hmm. they're going through. And Indo can be a very, very dark and lonely place to live. So I really wanted to write this book to to help people feel less alone and most importantly feel so empowered with all of the correct information because there's so much misinformation about endometriosis out there that if you have all the right information I think that we are able to sometimes get better care and advocate for ourselves better too. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you again. I love you. I'm so grateful love for you. Too. you. Let's end with the let it out deep breath, shall we? Inhale. Let it out. (sighs) All right. We did it. That's good. Thank you. Thank you. All right. That was my episode with Jessica Renan. Like I said at the beginning, pre-order her book, support her. If you know anyone with endometriosis, this is a tremendous resource for that. And for yourself, if you are experiencing it and follow Jess check out her podcast if you haven't already if you like this show I think you'll love that too she's a really good egg and someone I am so happy to know and be able to collaborate with in conversations like this so thank you for being here thank you for listening like I said at the top if you still want to join creative underdogs my membership for people who listen to the podcast for creative people making art and wanting to connect and have community feel free. We meet three times a month and we have a different theme every month. We have a different guest, usually a guest of the podcast, and you get to talk to them and ask them questions directly. And we have a dialogue all together. And then we do a co-working session and a theme chat where we connect and talk about our feelings and what we're moving through. 
and in process with as a team, as a family, as a group. It's a supportive group that I love being a part of and bringing people together in. So let me know what you're learning and feeling. If you want to connect with me on social media, like we just spoke about, I would love to talk to you there. And we have a let it out letter that will send you the show notes right to your inbox. If you'd like to be on that list. Also, the link is in the show notes and we're actually hiring. So if you want to maybe join the let it out team, feel free to check out the link in the show notes where we have a little application where you could maybe join us if that is a fit. Love you again. The emoji for this week, as you heard, is the song that Jess and I both <laughs> cringe when it comes on. Her because she never liked it. Me because I did like it actually, but heard it way too much. And the emoji for that song is just one emoji. So if any of you can get this, it might be hard. It might be challenging. I don't know. Let me know. Just one more reminder about Stereo, the app where I'm doing exclusive content with the opportunity for you to join the conversation live. I'm going to add a clip from one of my previous stereo shows in here for you to listen to now. Just thinking about a point where the stories that come out of this aren't so, I don't know, on our minds already. I feel like while we're within this still, it's hard yeah. to talk about because it's not, yeah. I don't know. It just feels like it's so fresh because it's still going on obviously and also right it's almost like whenever i see something on twitter that it's like screenwriters please don't write shit about the pandemic yet like we don't need pandemic yeah. stories right now and yeah. I, I don't know i think it's useful just to think like okay what happens a couple years down the look the road like how do we talk about it then and what is it going to feel like and i don't know it's really hard to say but i'm looking forward yeah. to that <laughs> That was my conversation from last week with Leah Clancy. I would love for you to join the conversation. You can send an audio message to be played live on the show and join in the conversation, or you can just listen in and eavesdrop. But I would love to talk to you there. This week, noon on Thursday, live on Stereo. You can find the app at www.stereo.com slash Katie Dilla. And the link is in the show notes as well. Oh, and if you want to support this podcast, support the sponsors. And it actually really helps a lot if you tell a friend. So post about it on social media and tag, let it out and tag me and I'll repost it. And leaving a review on iTunes really, really helps. So that is one thing I wanted to say. And also my second podcast that I co-host with Serena Wolf, who's been a guest on this show and Jess actually connected us. We have a new episode out this week and we'll be doing a third season of that show. It's a mental health podcast about anxiety. So if you'd like to listen to that, the archive is there for you and a new episode that just came out this week as well. All right. Love you. Talk to you next week.